Welcome back, everybody, to the Luke Beasley Show. I hope you're doing wonderful on this Friday. We have made it through another week of American politics. Um, last day of my travels, so we'll be back to the normal studio on Monday, but lots to discuss today, so let's dive in. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office is reaching out or has reached out reportedly to law enforcement entities wanting to discuss the logistics of a Trump indictment. That could come as early as next week. This is huge. This is absolutely wild. Um, and as I said, Manhattan District Attorney's Office, in regard to the Stormy Daniels case, starting to have discussions for what could come next week about the logistics of a Trump indictment. Take a look at this being reported in a place that many of these viewers do not uh, want to be hearing this news on Fox News. Fox News alert now, and we are learning that the Manhattan DA's office has asked for a meeting with law enforcement ahead of a potential Trump indictment. This is coming to Fox News from a source in the courts. The meeting, which was requested yesterday and has not been set yet, is to discuss logistics for some time next week, which would mean that they are anticipating an indictment next week. Same source who's familiar with the planning said they will go over security preparations in and around the courthouse in lower Manhattan. Secret Service will take the lead in what they will allow or will not allow. The source cautioned, mentioning, for instance, that the decision to handcuff the president, a former president, or not. They will set the tone and will escort him into the courtroom. There will be coordination between all of us, the source said, but we will defer to the Secret Service. The battle will be, be between Secret Service and DA Alvin Bragg. They will decide how and when he'll get into the building and they are not going to leave him. The source believes that the former president will still have to be fingerprinted and processed like every other defendant. So, so there it is. Trump indictments coming very, very soon. He'll be escorted into the court, fingerprinted, processed like everyone else. Um, if this indeed happens. And then another thing just to include in this conversation is, and I'll show you a clip here on CNN of this being discussed, kind of waiting to see some relevant Republican figures' response to this. How will they respond if it indeed happens, including Ron DeSantis? Here's this. Here's the, here's the thought experiment. This happens in two weeks. What do the other Republicans say? They have to defend Trump, right? DeSantis, who otherwise is happy to see Trump, will say, well, this is political prosecution. Suddenly half the country is going to believe right off the bat that this is a political vendetta by the Democrats. No Republican is going to defend. You think, the, you, think the, you think the governor will actually say that of Florida, will actually support and say, oh, kind of the way that um, I'm Hillary... Sorry. You no, think he, that he'll, he'll say that it's a political persecution? Yes. Sure. I think really? every Republican will have to say that because they need to win over voters who still like Trump, even okay. if they want to move on from Trump. But this... When, when was the Sorry Daniels thing? 2008 or something like that? Well, no, no. When actual incident, right? So then, then he pays off. He pays her off in October of 2016. Does something that John Edwards ended up getting off for somewhat different, maybe legally. <laughs> I just think it's the worst possible case to lead with. When he tried to overturn the election results and yes. purposely stole classified documents that wouldn't give them back. So I do agree that Ron DeSantis and other individuals who are wanting to appeal to Trump's base will play into likely the witch hunt narrative. Um, but then the moderate Republicans will 
kind of have a hands-off approach, let the legal system work it out. Um, but we'll see all of that actually how it ends up playing out possibly very soon. But then also the point that you end with there is something we've discussed, which is even though, of course, Trump should be held accountable for any of his violations of the law, and um, that is absolutely the case. And so if there's something to charge, charge him with Stormy Daniels case. It is unfortunate that just the timing has worked out this way because of how significant some of these other investigations are into Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 election, for example. Um, as I said yesterday, throw democracy in the garbage can, install himself as president despite losing the election, because that's also something he could be getting charged for eventually, and investigations are actively going on into that. It does make the Stormy Daniels hush money payment feel insignificant uh, in comparison, and thus um, it being first is unfortunate, even though it's a massive moment, and if he broke the law, he should be held accountable for it, even in the Stormy Daniels case, and in case you're wondering, um, as I've outlined before, what would be illegal in regard to that has to do with, um, and to kind of walk you through, so Michael Cohen, Trump's former lawyer, paid Stormy Daniels shortly before the 2016 election to not come out with the story of their alleged affair. And uh, he paid her $130,000. Trump then paid Michael Cohen back. And the way that he did that could have been falsifying business records, trying to identify this money as uh, as, uh, legal expenses, even though, of course, it was not legal expenses, um, as he paid back the $130,000 to Michael Cohen that Michael Cohen paid Stormy Daniels. Um, so that's the first falsifying business records. The second has to do with campaign finance law and uh, this being a direct attempt to influence the 2016 election but not being disclosed as a campaign contribution. And so that would be a second huge moment. We could actually be seeing this take place, a former president, current presidential candidate being charged criminally and uh it all could be happening very very soon make sure you're subscribed to the youtube channel we just wrapped up talking about the manhattan district attorney's office reaching out to law enforcement entities getting the plans together for a possible next week trump indictment um and the logistics of that and i have for you now a video that Trump released. He's been posting a series of rants on Truth Social um, where he is just terrified and knows the walls are closing in on him and is lashing out, is just going through an unhinged um, moment here as you're about to see. And I want to watch this, obviously break it down as always. Take a look. These four horrible, radical left Democrat investigations of your all-time favorite president, me, is just a continuation of the most disgusting witch hunt in the history of our country. It's gone on forever with Russia, 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 and Ukraine, 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 and the Mueller hoax. It's an absolute disgrace what's going on. They even spied on my campaign. And remember this, with all of the work, that they did on Mueller, no collusion. That's what the answer was, was all no collusion. Whether it's the Mar-a-Lago raid or the unselect committee hoax, 
the perfect Georgia phone call, it was absolutely perfect, or the stormy horse-faced Daniels extortion plot. They're all sick, and it's fake news. Our He's doing a really good job there of walking through, and then we'll watch the rest of this video, but walking through why he absolutely needs to be held accountable legally because holy smokes on all these different fronts he's being investigated and has been engaged in wrongdoing in so many different areas yikes walking through that nicely there trump um but for him as we talked about previously he sees this as an argument for why every investigation is a witch hunt because there's so many investigations that makes all of them wrong it seems like you just must be engaged in constant criminal action if all these investigations are having to pop up uh, looking into your possible wrongdoing. And as I've said before, it's not the investigator's fault that you attempted to overturn the 2020 election, pressured election officials, uh, came up with a fake electors plot, all of that. It's not the investigator's fault that you put together the hush money payment situation or your possible business crimes um or attempted to obstruct the documents investigation and keep the documents at mar-a-lago despite being asked repeatedly to turn them over that's on you it's the job of investigators to look into criminal actions uh, because you're being looked into on so many different fronts is not exactly proving what you think that it is continuing enemies are desperate to stop us because they know that we are the only ones who can stop them, and they know it very strongly. And they're looking at the polls where, not me, but we are up by so much. They can't even believe it. We won twice, and now we've got to win a third time. They know that we can defeat them. They know that we will defeat them. But they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. I'm just standing in their way, and I always will stand in their way. Thank you very much. So there it is, clearly very afraid, nervous about the moment that he's in. And he really may be getting criminally charged possibly next week. And he's feeling that for sure, as I think you can pick up on in that video, lashing out um, at anyone that he can and just trying to keep his followers believing that this is all a big deep state conspiracy to take down their beloved leader and not what they purported to care about, which is law and order, him being held accountable for his actions. And then the talking point, he says a lot of, uh, they're not coming after me, they're coming after you, I'm just in the way. How does that even make sense? <laughs> okay, if you did criminal actions, how is it you protecting your followers for you to be standing up against these investigations it just makes no sense um but it sounds nice coming out the mouth i guess and people think he's a hero for being engaged in so many different acts of criminality possibly that he's now being held accountable for very bonkers stuff we move now from one trump video that he's released to another and this one honestly may be the most dangerous or one of the most dangerous videos He's released at least in a very long time. And what he's doing here is setting up the narrative, the story, the fictional story of 2024 being stolen from him. And he's starting on that now, telling his followers that 
the elections being stolen in 2024. He lied about 2020. Even he lied about stuff in 2016, saying that he actually should have won the popular vote. Um, but he lied even more in 2020. And now he's well in advance setting up lies for 2024, saying that somehow there's some cheating going on. Prosecutors are trying to steal the election from MAGA. Dangerous stuff. Take a look at this. The radical left Democrats are using their prosecutors to try and steal another election. There's never been a time like this in the history of our country. Presidential elections are sacred. We cannot let them be stolen. We can't let any elections be stolen. The only candidate they don't want to run against is Trump, me. It's like he was reading it off his teleprompter and saw Trump and he was like, oh, me, Trump, me. Despite their disinformation campaign to the contrary, what they do is they pick out the one that they think is going to be the toughest and they say, that's the one we want to run against. They always say it. They say it for governorships, for the Senate, and for the president, but they don't. What does that even mean? They pick the one, the Democrats pick a running mate that they think would be the hardest to beat? But what? They're all about misinformation and disinformation. I beat them twice, did much better the second time. He won once in 2016, not twice. And they don't want to do it again. It'll be a lot tougher for them to cheat and rig the election like they did in 2020. And that's why they're using their city, state, and federal prosecutors. They are using them like has never happened before in our country. Republicans in Congress are watching closely. The DOJ should stop. We have to get our country back. The DOJ, the FBI, the local prosecutors should all stop. Well, I'm sure there are a lot of criminals out there who wish they could end their legal troubles by just saying, stop to all who are trying to hold me accountable for my wrongdoing. Stop now. <laughs> um, it is so wild. And he's using the fact that he's being investigated for trying to overthrow our democratic process, the Stormy Daniels thing. Uh, possible business stuff, the documents case, as a justification to say something unfair is going on in 2024. And people are going to buy into it. There's no evidence that prosecutors are acting improperly. There's no evidence that this is politically motivated. There is evidence to the actions that Trump partook in. And uh, it doesn't matter. People will still believe that Trump's the hero and he's being wronged. He's the victim. And this election is being stolen from him. This time, it's not big, massive dumps, big dumps, as Trump said, of fraudulent ballots, as they believe, without evidence. But instead, um, it is the prosecutor's actions in holding Trump accountable for his possible criminality. And Trump knows that he's lying just like how he knew he was lying in 2020. And we know that further reporting has been done on a story we talked about previously, um, revealing that before the uh, phone call to Brad Raffensperger, Secretary of State of Georgia from Trump, where he's asking Brad Raffensperger to find, quote, find 11,780 votes and just make Trump um, the winner. Before that phone call, before he started pressuring Brad Raffensperger, or at least on that call, to 
to overturn the election results in Georgia. He paid researchers to go look into the election results, try to find voter fraud, try to find proof that the election was stolen, and he couldn't do it. And the researchers didn't find that the election was stolen because it wasn't. Even the people that he had go out and look into these things, look into these claims, try to prove that the election was stolen, couldn't find evidence of it because it doesn't exist. There wasn't widespread voter fraud. And he still told all those lies and tried to pressure Brad Raffensperger into um, overturning the election results. So he knew he was lying then. He knows he's lying about the prosecutors now. He knows what he's done and that if you actually believe as they purport to in law and order, this is what should happen. Um, he'll tell these lies and people will believe it deeply. Now, what's wild, and I want to show you this from the Washington Post. A poll was done by CNN revealing that while 63% of Republicans and Republican-leaning independents believe that Biden's election win was illegitimate, half of them recognize that is just a suspicion. That is not based on evidence. So in this situation with Trump saying the thing about prosecutors, it's going to work because it works even when people will admit that they don't actually have evidence for their belief that Biden's election was illegitimate. So take a look at this chart for our video viewers on screen. 63% of Republicans and GOP-leaning independents believe that Biden's election win was illegitimate. But 30% say, I believe it was illegitimate, but that's just based on suspicion. That's suspicion only. 33% say they have solid evidence. I would love to see what they mean by solid evidence. Uh, <laughs> if they mean they heard it somewhere, then yeah, I, I'm sure they do. But uh, so half recognize they don't have solid evidence. Now, the question is, and let me know, Luke P. Beasley on Twitter, which one you think is worse? P believing the election was stolen based on solid evidence when there is no solid evidence? So what is that? Where is that belief coming from? Or recognizing you don't have evidence and still believing it. But either way, this is yet another example that his followers will believe all the actions of prosecutors we're just trying to steal the election from dear, beloved Trump, and it's not actually accountability for his wrongdoing. Pretty wild stuff. The International Criminal Court has issued an arrest warrant for President Vladimir Putin, um, of course, president of Russia and another Russian official based on their alleged scheme to deport Ukrainian children to Russia. Now, Putin's not going to be arrested, obviously, but uh, this is a message being sent by the International Criminal Court in regard to the disgusting actions of Putin and his government. Here from CNN, the court said there are reasonable grounds to believe that Mr. Putin bears individual criminal responsibility for the alleged crimes, for having committed them directly alongside others, and for his failure to exercise control properly over civilian and military subordinates who committed the acts, the ICC charges which relate to an alleged practice that CNN and others have reported on, are the first to be formally lodged against officials in Moscow since it began its unprovoked attack on Ukraine last year. So definitely the correct move from the International Criminal uh, Court, as I said, it's a message being sent, continuing with kind of Putin, Russia's invasion of Ukraine-related news, 
president of China, Xi Jinping, is going to go meet in person with Vladimir Putin next week. Take a look at this. And this morning, after a lot of speculation, we now know that President Xi of China will visit Moscow next week. Russia keen to say that this is a show of support for Vladimir Putin. The Chinese saying they're just trying to provide the conditions for peace talks. We'll just have to wait and see. Okay, and then before I respond, here's one more bit of analysis from CNN. Well, look, the outcome of this meeting, a lot of analysts believe, could have a very significant effect on on where this war goes, certainly for Ukraine, because if there were to be an influx of Chinese lethal weapons, as the United States uh, suspects China is seriously considering, and it would make sense that when President Xi goes to meet with President Putin, neither, neither the Kremlin nor the Beijing readout actually mention weaponry, uh, that is a discussion that uh, they could very likely have. And if China does decide to do that in defiance of warnings from the United States and the West, it could be very bad for Ukraine, even with the, the influx of weapons that have been flowing from NATO and the United States. Uh, so while, you know, China is saying this is all about urging peace and that they have a, a, an objective and impartial position, Don, if they're so impartial, you know, they put out this 12 point peace plan. They didn't call, uh, Putin's war an invasion. And she has not even spoken by phone, uh, with Ukraine. Ukraine's president, even though he's now traveling to Moscow to meet with Putin, uh, his first overseas trip, by the way, since he got this unprecedented third term. So uh, we'll have to see what happens, uh, you know, what is spoken and perhaps what is not said, uh, you know, and a lot of a lot of uh, questions this morning. Let's OK, so China is trying to say that this is just impartial China getting involved, trying to push for peace and um we saw them release their 12-point plan to peace. But number one, being impartial here, being unbiased here is the wrong stance because there is a correct stance that you should take, an active stance you should take, which is supporting Ukraine. And there's also no need for a 12-point plan because there's a one-point plan. Russia stops invading Ukraine. When one country invades another country, the solution is actually not as complex as China and others are making it out to be, Xi Jinping specifically, um, because the invader can stop invading and then get it, get this, the invasion will stop. Um, and so that's what needs to happen here. And so number one, impartial being the stance of China is already the wrong stance to have. As the CNN individual noted there, Xi Jinping isn't showing his actions um, an unbiased stance in reality, not going and showing optical or uh, optical support to President Volodymyr Zelensky, and instead meeting in person with Vladimir Putin. The other concerning bit of this has to do with the consideration that the United States intelligence apparatus warned about on the part of China uh, about giving lethal aid to Russia. Giving them lethal aid is what reportedly was being considered on the part of the Chinese government. And so this could be an opportunity for them to meet and discuss that, which would be disastrous, not be good for China to put their their weight behind Russia in this situation. And um, I don't think it's a good faith effort on the part of Xi Jinping to push for peace, because when you frame this conversation as has been done with his 12-point plan, not even using the word invasion in it um, when describing Russia's action actions and 
framing it as kind of, hey, both both sides are doing things wrong. Let's come to the table and work this out instead of a clear understanding that Putin is causing this to be the reality. Peace could come of Putin ending um, his invasion. That shows there's not a good faith effort. And so this, I doubt, is a good faith effort, him meeting with uh, Putin, but instead a very dangerous sign of unity between the two leaders. What I have for you next is honestly pretty sad. Uh, the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, because of the financial hardship he's put himself and his company through due to his absolute bonkers pursuits of proving voter fraud and challenging election results and being sued himself because of his election lies, he's now having to take out a $10 million uh loan borrow $10 million just to keep my pillow afloat. And the reason I say it's sad is because even though he's an adult, he shouldn't have bought in these lies and all of that. And he's on the side of this anti-democratic movement. When I just am watching someone destroy their own life, I still, even if it's someone again, lying about our elections and taking all these anti-democratic actions, still there's something sad about it. Uh, take a look at this. I guess your loan, the loan you took out at uh, at uh, my pillow, people people are all over you about this. Yeah, there last year actually it was three separate loans as the as the machine companies continue to sue us for billions of dollars, and um, we had to borrow almost ten million dollars at my pillow. We're a company, we're an employee owned company. It just baffles me, Steve. You've got all these. Companies are these machine companies out there, these voting machine companies that nobody even knew their name before, but everybody protects them. And yet you attack a USA company, my pillow and my employees, and it's just disgusting. So then at the end there, he touches on what makes it unfortunate, which is his employees are suffering because of this, or they could end up suffering because of him running his own life into the ground based on his belief that the election was stolen uh, when there just is not evidence as we talk about so much to support that. Um, and it's pretty wild to see. And there are a lot of leaders who say things about our elections, who say things in other contexts, and they don't believe them in the slightest. Mike Lindell, though, I think he believes them. I think he's just absolutely detached from reality. And because of that is putting his life into a pursuit of proving something that doesn't exist. That is whew, sad, um, brutal. But here's one moment where he was getting upset about an article about this. Yeah, that's the picture Cheryl used. Well, she's done. I'm not even going to let her. You know, this is disgusting, Cheryl. You know, what kind of journalist are you? I thought, you know, oh, yeah, you know. You couldn't use any other picture, but they caught whatever I was doing that day. You know, what, and what's her headline? Read what her headline says. Mike Lindell says he had to borrow $10 million last year to keep my pillow afloat, and he's running out of cash, too. Means, yeah, we've spent millions of dollars on my pillow on these lawsuits. But also, there was another thing, other things that happened. When you had ships that were trapped, remember all the ships that were out at sea, Brandon? Yes. Well, like these sheets... These percale sheets and Giza sheets, we lost a whole season because you couldn't get these ships in. 
Okay, we, Wimmer, we don't make these in the United States. And why? Because there's no weavers or spinners left. So we make our sheets. We go over to, we have the best cotton in the world, the long staple. So all of this could have been prevented if he had been able to attach himself to reality from the beginning. And what a wild, wild story Mike Lindell's life is. Holy smokes. Republican Senator Ron Johnson just nuked, nuked, I tell you, the Republican Party. And I think it is going to do some serious damage uh, to the GOP in the upcoming election. Pretty wild stuff here. So I'll show you what I mean. But first, let me kind of give you the context. You probably remember at Biden's most recent State of the Union, he called out the fact that many Republicans, or at least some Republicans, have the ambition of cutting Medicare and Social Security. Now, you might also remember the Republicans freaked out during the State of the Union when he said this, Marjorie Green calling him a liar, and this is what that looked like. Want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. <laughs> That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. So they could not have been more offended, more clear that they do not stand for what Biden is saying they stand for. Many of them went on a media tour afterwards calling Biden a liar. It's all horrible. No, Republicans would never touch Medicare and Social Security. Well, I present to every one of those individuals and to you. Republican Senator Ron Johnson, who is now calling, we'll look at his, uh, a bit of this radio interview where he said this, but he's now openly calling for Medicare and Social Security to become discretionary spending programs instead of mandatory spending programs, meaning every year, every year, Medicare and Social Security would be on the chopping block. Every year they would be threatened. And if he, he's saying, and you'll hear him say this, it has to do with, um, spending and re-evaluating spending, then there's going to be a push to cut these programs at some point and them being up for debate every year would be disastrous. Do you feel good about putting the fate of those programs in the hands of our current Congress that couldn't even pick a speaker? Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates. I don't want them uh, to be the ones we have to trust every year to make sure these programs remain intact and remain benefiting the lives of millions of Americans. So here from Wisconsin Public Radio, and then we'll take a look at this radio interview. Republican U.S. Senator Ron Johnson said in a radio interview Tuesday that funding for Medicare and Social Security should be approved by Congress each year rather than being automatically renewed. But with three government shutdowns in the last seven years, such a move could add uncertainty to programs millions of Americans rely on. Indeed. And here is this from the regular Joe show. Yes. And, you know, defense spending has always been discretionary. No VA spending is discretionary. What's mandatory are things like Social Security and Medicare. If, if you qualify for the entitlement, you just get it no matter what the cost. And our problem in this country is that more than 70 percent of our federal budget of our federal spending is all mandatory spending. It's on automatic pilot. It, it never. You just don't do proper oversight. You don't get in there and fix the programs going bankrupt. It's just an automatic pilot. What we ought to be doing is we ought to turn everything into discretionary spending 
So let's all evaluate it so that we, we can fix problems or fix programs that are broken, that are going to be going bankrupt. No, because again, so he's just saying it clearly. Um, and one of the things he said was it's unfortunate that 70% of our federal budget is what he was saying, uh, is mandatory spending instead of discretionary. It may be unfortunate for you, Ron Johnson, but it's not unfortunate to the countless people who rely on those programs and because they're mandatory, they can rely on them. It would be so disastrous if every year everyone had to wonder, am I going to be getting the benefits that I depend on? So them being mandatory is not unfortunate. Maybe it is to you though. And then he's talking about the program becoming bankrupt and that's the justification. But there are solutions far more reasonable than the one he's putting forward that would solve the problems with funding these programs that we're coming up against. For example, here from CBS News in regards to Social Security, Social Security is heading for a funding cliff with its trust fund reserves potentially becoming insolvent by 20, uh, 2033, an outcome that would mean beneficiaries would face a 25% shave on their monthly checks. But there is a way to fix most um, most of the funding shortfall policy experts say smash the cap. That refers to the Social Security tax cap, a feature of the program since it was launched in the 1930s following the Great Depression. Essentially, any income over the earnings cap isn't subject to the Social Security payroll tax, which is 6.2% for workers and additional 6.2% for employers. In 2023, the tax cap stands at $160,200, which means any income above that amount is exempt from the payroll tax. As a result, middle and lower income workers bear a much greater tax burden in funding Social Security than the 6% of Americans who earn above that threshold, according to a new analysis from the left-leaning Center for Economic and Policy Research. So one of the far more reasonable solutions, uh, instead of his idea, would be to smash the cap, as they said in uh, the CBS article, or raise the cap above where it's currently at, which is $160,200. And make it to where earnings income above that amount also have the social security payroll tax applied. And that would not impact low and middle income earners and would impact high income earners, but is perfectly fair, perfectly reasonable. But because it would impact higher income earners, you start to get a sense of why Ron Johnson is siding with the nuclear option. <laughs> and then when you get to Medicare, here from the Washington Post, start by having affluent Medicare recipients pay more into the system and higher premiums on an escalating scale tied to current income. Create another premium bracket above the highest that now exists. Allow the federal government to negotiate drug prices with manufacturers using purchasing power to cut prices. So just more properly taxing those at the very top of our economic ladder in reasonable, again, fair ways, uh, making sure the tax burden is not more severe for those uh, who are low and middle income earners. And then the programs can be funded properly. We're not talking about cutting benefits and we're not talking about putting the entire program up for debate every single year as Ron Johnson is. Um, but the reason why this is so horrible for the Republican Party is Biden's done a very effective job of making this a conversation, which it should be, that Republicans have this ambition. Sometimes it's just behind closed doors, this not so much, but it is the ambition 
of Republicans in different ways to threaten these programs. Um, and so now with them being such popular, crucial programs in people's lives, he's setting up the Republicans just to be absolutely uh, crushed on this by Democrats repeatedly when it comes to the upcoming election. Um, and that's not good for the GOP, which is good for uh, the country. Well, we have to talk about once again uh, on today's show, Trump, and one of these videos he's released on Truth Social. And uh, what he's talking about in this one has to do with the Tucker Carlson January 6th propaganda campaign that's been going on. Tucker Carlson trying to frame January 6th as something other than what it was. And because he obtained or was able to go look at the January 6th security footage, he's trying to use that as a chance to say they were hiding the truth from you, but even his usage of the security footage uh, to prove a narrative that just isn't true was quite the failure, as we talked about in the past. And so while that's going on, Trump is trying to respond and use this as an opportunity to say the January 6th rioters should be let go. Why? I don't know. Um, but then I'm going to show you after watching a little bit of this Trump video a Republican accountability project video that just destroys Trump and Tucker and their lies on this. But first, here's Trump. Patriotic Americans are being prosecuted for peacefully protesting a stolen election. Let them go. They were convicted or are awaiting trial based on a giant lie, a radical left con job. Thank you to Tucker Carlson and Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, for what you both have done. New video footage is irrefutable. Absolutely irrefutable. Thank you very much. We have to fight for our country, and we have to fight like we've never fought before. Our country is great, but it's in tremendous trouble. We're a nation in decline. We have to stop being called a nation in decline. They're laughing at us all over the world. We're not going to let that happen any longer. Thank you. So you heard him say uh, rioters are being prosecuted based on a big lie, which he doesn't mean it like this, but in a sense it's true. Based on his big lie, um, individuals took actions because they bought into his lie that the election was stolen that now they're being prosecuted for, and they should be prosecuted for those actions. But at the end of the day, they are where they are because of his big lie. It's also funny him saying the video is irrefutable. True, but it just doesn't prove what you think that it proves. And I will say, he's giving this credit to Tucker Carlson. If Tucker Carlson, Trump, could lie about him supporting you or liking you on air, making it seem like he supports Trump, privately saying he hates him passionately, quote, I hate him passionately, um, and saying Trump is a destroyer, a demonic force, publicly very much supportive. If he could lie about that, he could also be lying about this, Trump. Um, but now let's get to this Republican Accountability Project video that is so accurate and uh, just stunning. Take a look. Patriotic Americans are being prosecuted for peacefully protesting a stolen election. And for our podcast listeners, you can imagine it's cutting Tucker's statements, Trump's statements, and then video from 
January 6th that very much contradicts what they're saying. I heard chanting, kill him with his own gun. And there was a very good chance I would be shot to death. I thought of my four daughters who might lose their dad. January 6th was neither an insurrection nor deadly. One latched onto my face and got his thumb in my right eye, attempting to gouge it out. These were not insurrectionists, they were sightseers. I was electrocuted again and again and again. Then the crowd joined in screaming, boo, These are not rioters, these are people who wandered over from a political rally. A man grabbed the front of my gas mask and used it to beat my head against the door. Let them go. They were convicted based on a giant lie, a radical left con job. Credit to the Republican Accountability Project. Um, so enraging. And uh, I've mentioned to you all a few times, I'm traveling right now, thus the, the setting. And so when I was preparing for today's show, I was sitting with a couple friends and they were kind of looking over my shoulder and we got into a conversation about what I was uh, preparing this story. And, you know, every day I talk about just wild stories like this. And so it becomes somewhat normal, even though it's not, shouldn't be, but it does become somewhat normal. And uh, seeing in my friends who are less politically involved kind of reflected the emotion that at the end of the day is there about these things, uh, seeing that reflected in them kind of snapped me back into a level of visceral whether it be uh, anger or just confusion, because I can't process. And what we're talking about is just you can't process that this is actually happening, that Tucker Carlson, Trump are just staring into the eyes of millions of people saying the sky is neon green. And then we're going, it's not, it's blue. It's blue, right? It's blue it's right there. No, it's neon green. The video footage just showing the opposite of what Tucker Carlson is saying. And yet he's confidently saying it. And it's genuinely, this might even sound naive, but just hard to understand how someone would do that, if that makes sense. Um, but why they're doing it is pretty clear. If they can distract, 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 and they don't have to have the conversation, the honest, truthful conversation about January 6th, which is one, that it was an attempt by the rioters uh, to prevent Biden's election win from being certified and prevent the certification process from moving forward through attacking the Capitol. And also the lies that were justifying their actions were the very same lies justifying or being used to justify Trump and his allies' attempt to keep Trump present despite losing the election, to concoct this fake elector scheme, have Mike Pence reject the election results um, when it came time to certify them and proclaim Trump the winner, Trump calling Brad Raffensperger, Secretary of State of Georgia, saying, find me 11,780 votes, and the uh, calling the Speaker of the House at the time of Georgia, saying, call a special session and make Trump the winner, um, and all these different efforts that were going on behind the scenes, same lie being used to justify them, to keep Trump in the White House after January 20th, despite losing the election. And what that would have looked like, I don't know, but that's what they were trying to do. And uh, real actions were taken on that front. We were far too close to a disaster situation beyond the one that we already uh, witnessed. So that being the conversation, 
the honest conversation is why they need to distract from it um, because it highlights their own wrongdoing. And it is just wild, wild to watch. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. I will see you on Monday.